Thank you, Pastor Yeomans. It's great to be here this afternoon, and thank you for staying for uh, the second service today. I trust that you'll be with us on Monday and Tuesday night. Lord willing, I'm, on Monday night, I'm going to uh, teach you some Bible math. How much is two and two? Well, I'm going to teach you a new math, a Bible math, how two and two equals five. Okay. And then Tuesday night, uh, I'm going to bring something with me that I've never seen. In fact, nobody has seen it. God is the only, thing, only one who has seen the thing that I'm going to bring to you. And I'm going to bring it here, and I'm going to show you what it is. And then after I show it to you, you will never see it again. Okay, so that's Tuesday, Tuesday night. So just a little encouragement to come back if uh, your love for the Lord isn't enough. <laughs> I, I'm so uh, thankful to be here uh, and uh, be a part of this conference. And I, I'm praying that the Lord will work in your lives individually and collectively in Bible Baptist Church. As we begin tonight, I want to ask you a question. Which do you think will hold more water? Which will hold more water? The balloon will. It's obvious, isn't it? Now, why is that? Why, why will, is the balloon capable of holding more water than this bottle? Because it's expanding. It will expand. This is probably, probably not a very good message to bring after all these refreshments you've had out there. <laughs> but I want us to think about expanding our lives. So if you have your Bible, let's go to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Now the text is talking about enlarging your tent, but I want us to apply it to our lives and our vision. What does God want you as an individual to do? What does God want you as a church to do? Isaiah chapter 54 and as we read that, I want you to, to think about this. It's the Spirit of God that works through you. It's not your ability. It's your expandability. So the balloon will hold more than the water bottle because of its ability to expand. So think of that as we go to this message. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1. The Bible says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Bring, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Now notice, here's where our text is. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. 
Notice this. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth when thou wast refused, saith God. For a small moment I have forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go forth and go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy upon thee. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to meet once again for a few minutes this afternoon. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to, uh, as a church and help us as individuals to expand our vision of what you want done in our lives and what you want done in the city of St. Thomas and in the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you look with me at verse 5 for a moment? Notice this expression, for thy maker is thy husband. Now, I'm not speaking on this particular verse, but we need to be constantly reminded of this in the Bible, the Word of God, because the Word of God gives the accurate record of the origin of all things, where everything came from, including mankind. And the Bible record is true, amen? It's absolutely true. It is the only true record. There's no other record, true record, of how man came into being other than what is given to us in the blessed word of God. Here it says, thy maker. And so we see that the Lord God made us. He made you and he made me. Let's not be fooled. Don't let anyone be fooled by this so-called theory of evolution. It's not even a good theory. You know, a theory is, a good, is an educated guess. Man did not come from a lower form of animal. He came directly from the hand of God. Now, in this passage, the Lord is speaking to a depraved people. And I'm sure that you know that, uh, that he is primarily speaking to Israel. But do not ever think that when something is said in God's word to Israel, that it does not have an application to us. What God is saying in this chapter is for you and it is for me. It is for the family of God, as part of the family of God, as part of the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll give you a New Testament example of what I'm saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. The Bible says, talking about Israel and what happened to Israel, all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Again, Paul wrote in Romans chapter uh, 15 and verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, it's the Old Testament, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. 
So don't ever think that the Bible is not for you because it was not written to you. The Bible is not specifically addressed to you, per se, but it is written for you. It's written for our understanding and for our learning. Now let's go to the text. Isaiah chapter 54. The chapter begins with a tremendous word. What's the very first word in this chapter? Sing. Sing. That's a tremendous word. He says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst bear. Break forth into singing. And cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Isaiah 54, verse 1, is talking about a people who, who have failed, a depraved people, a backslidden people, people that have been judged and scattered, a small people. And yet God says, sing, sing, O barren. In the past, Israel had been as a barren wife. You know, you know the story of Sarah. Sarah, this is Sarah's life in miniature. She was barren. She was a childless old woman. And then, at 90 years of age, of age with no children, God caused the barren to bring forth a son. And think of the millions of people that have been brought into the world through her. So the first word, by the way, Isaiah chapter 53 is the story, the account of the crucifixion of Christ. The very first word after the crucifixion of chapter 53 is sing, sing. It's a call to Israel to sing. And God says, he, God says to them, sing. So we sit back and we say, why? Why? Well, he reminds us in verse 9. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. So just as the waters of Noah did not come to stay, I promised that they would not come anymore. So your miserable past has been blotted out. Your past has been all taken care of through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's something that you and I can apply to our own hearts today. Amen? Your past has been removed. No Christian ought to be troubled by their past sin. I'll say that again. No Christian ought to be troubled by their past sin. You know, your health today may be the result of the sins of the past. And you may still live with some ugly scars that you have because of your past. But listen, God has blotted them out as a thick cloud. Isaiah 54, uh, 44, verse 25. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. God says he has removed them. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east, I'm not sure which way in this building east is. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Don't ever let the devil take your past sins and plague your soul with them. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it begins with all, it ends with all. 
He says, Isaiah wrote, all we, like sheep, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of what? Of us all. Of us all. That's the atonement. That's redemption. That's forgiveness. That's salvation. And so God is saying, in the very first verse, he said, sing, sing, because your past has been removed. Sing because you're saved. I so appreciated what the girls were singing today. A lovely, lovely uh, uh, trio or quartet as you sang today. I appreciate that so much. God said, sing. You know, the Lord says something to these verses, in these verses to Israel. Look at verse one. He says, sing, why? For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. He's, like, he's likening Israel here to the wife of Jehovah, just as the church is to the bride, uh, is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says something. Now watch this. He says, more are the children of the desolate than there are of you, the people of God, the wife of Jehovah, the nation of Israel. There are more who live without God than there are who live with God, those that are saved. But the Lord says, so you sing because you are saved. God wants music to be in our soul. So he says, sing. He says, sing because you're one of the few that have been saved. We need, we need to think more about how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Where would you be if, you did, if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ? And then he says, sing because your past has been removed. Sing because you're one of the few. There's another reason to sing. That's what we're dealing with in this message. Sing because of what that, the fact that you're going to grow. Expand your vision. Enlarge your tent. Now, I like this. The people of God are ever-increasing I don't know that there are many more percentage-wise than there were ever going all the way back to Adam and Eve, but there are, there are saved people, more saved people. When you go back to Adam and consider all those that were saved by the blood, there, there's a multitude of them. And that will continue to grow today as we give out the gospel, share the gospel. It might even, it might even happen this morning in the service. It might happen this afternoon. But the Lord said, sing because your past is gone. Sing because you are one of the chosen. Sing because you are a growing number. And so notice in verse 2, the Lord says here, enlarge the place of thy tent. So I want to say to you today, as people of Bible Baptist Church, I want you to think about this today. Do you know that the people of God for many hundreds of years lived in tents? They lived in tents. And the Lord never stopped using that word. We come into the New Testament, he uses that word. They did not live in buildings that, that stand for hundreds of years. They lived in a temporal, transient type of accommodation, a tent made of goat's hair or animal skin. And for that reason, God is saying man's occupancy on earth is a temporary thing. It's not going to last. You've, uh, you've heard it many times, I'm sure, but 
And some of you young people might be thinking, preacher, don't talk to me about the shortness of life. Well, I'll tell you something that is scary to think about when you, when you consider it, the shortness of life. You, you know, when I was a teenager, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. You know, when I was six years old, you know how long ago that was? I'm not gonna tell you, but it was yesterday. <laughs> it was yesterday. God, who has been for eternity, looks upon your little span of life as a blink of the eye. That's how God considers it. That's how God looks upon man's stay upon this earth. He sees man as a tent dweller. And that's why a Christian should never drive their stakes too deep in this world. He's not going to be here very long. Life is brief. And like a tent dweller, God says, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You're only here temporarily. Paul wrote, if this earthly house, he's talking about his body, if this earthly house, our tabernacle, our tent, be removed, we have a building of God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, as we move forward in this message, I want us to understand that you're living in a tent. It's not going to last long. You're living in a tent. Bible Baptist Church, individual believers, whatever you are going to do, you must do it now. Whatever you're thinking about doing for missions, you need to do it now. You're not going to be here for long. And so God says that as tent dwellers, we are to enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy, states, thy stakes. So you say, well, what does this mean? How does this apply to me? Well, three things. First of all, I believe that means to enlarge your life. To enlarge your life. Enlarge the place of thy tent. You know, your life is supposed to be large enough that it influences and affects other people for good. I read of an Italian man who loved violins. Listen to this. He never played one. He did not know how to play them. But he loved them so much that he accumulated 250 violins in his lifetime. He never played one. There was something that was made to make music that never sounded one note of music. You say, what a waste. What a waste. Well, I believe God means for your life and my life to be a song. And so he says, sing from your life. What a fool to gather 250 violins through your lifetime. No one could ever play any music on them. They did not realize the purpose for which they were made. But how true is that of a person's life? Enlarge your life. I want to ask you this afternoon, how large is your life? Most people do not know what life actually is. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 6. In verse 25, he said, Take no thought for your 
What's the word? Life. Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Now the Lord's not saying to disregard your body. The Lord wants us to have the bread of life and God wants us to be clothed. God wants us to be comfortable, but that is not life. That is the part of life that will go back to the dust and will never appear again as it is now. The clothes on your back are transient. They're not eternal, but your life is. So enlarge your life. You know, music does so much for people. Of course, I'm talking about the song of life, but, but music does a lot for people. If you get in your car and, and you, you, you are listening to slow music, uh, you're going to be annoying people behind you, right? But if you get in your car and you have something fast and peppy and so on, you might look in your rearview mirror and see a cruiser tailing you and pulling you over. Music affects us. It influences people. And the music of your life ought to influence people as well. It ought to be a, law, a, a large song. It ought to be a great song that comes from God. Music does so many things. It, it lifts burdens. It brings joy. If you don't have that kind of a life, then you're living a subnormal life as a Christian, as a child of God. So I say, first of all, enlarge your life. Make your tent and your influence bigger. What's the word of God mean? I believe it means also to enlarge your labor. Enlarge your labor. I'm, of course, I'm talking about our labor for the Lord. You know, laziness has always been a problem. It always has. I believe, it's, I believe our biggest problem about laziness has to do with spiritual laziness. I don't know if you heard about the fellow one time. He was talking about a farmhand that was terribly lazy. He said, if I run, he walks. If I walk, he stops. If I sit down, he lays down. If I were to lay down, I believe he'd die. <laughs> then there was a man that told his doctor that he wasn't able to do all the things that he used to do around the house. And uh, so he, he asked for an examination. When the examination was complete, he said, now, Doc, he said, I can take it. He said, tell me in plain English what's wrong with me. Doctor said, well, he said, uh, in plain English, he said, you're lazy. You're just lazy. Well, the man says, well, now, give me the medical term so I can tell my wife what's wrong with me. <laughs> you know, there... <laughs> There are a lot of people whose life is minutely small because they do nothing for the Lord. Nothing. I mean, I mean nothing. I'm saying to you today that the Word of God tells us, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Enlarge your labor. This is a convicting question I'm going to ask you, and I'll ask it to myself. How many people would be in church if it were left up to me? How many people would be in church if it were left up to you? 
How many classes taught? How many songs sung? How many people influenced for Christ if everybody did exactly what I do or what you do? In, a town, in, in 2007, a Category 5 tornado swept through Kansas. It was a tiny town, about 1,500 people. It was called Greenwood, Greenwood, Kansas. And what made this tornado different was that a typical tornado was 150 miles wide. You can figure out how the commerce is. I said that for Brother Beeman. 150 uh, feet wide. But this particular tornado was 1.7 miles wide, the same width as the town. It ripped through and it left only two brick buildings standing in the town. Three-story houses were ripped off their foundations. Cars, cows, and trees were flung hundreds of feet from where they were. After past long-time residents came out of the destruction, they couldn't find their way around town because so many landmarks that were, had been previously there were gone. And so many in the town soon started talking about leaving. There was nothing left. Greenwood would be no more. The mayor pulled together the owners of 70 business, businesses and asked them who were leaving. He put up three billboards, three billboards, staying, leaving, undecided, 70 businesses. 66 of the businesses decided to stay. And over the next four years, they rebuilt that town better than it was before. I give that illustration to, to simply say, sometimes things look so desolate, desolate and we have to make a choice. Are we going to leave? Or are we going to stick it out and make it better than it was? Well, churches have to make those choices during the time of the church. church. Churches don't die because people leave. Churches die because the people who stay don't want to make it better. I'm talking about enlarging your labor. Israel had to make that same decision. Sadly, only a small, small portion of the group in Israel decided to stick it out. Enlarge your tent means to enlarge your labor. Do something for Jesus Christ. Stretch and lengthen the stakes of your life and labor for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says to the Christian that this needs to happen, and it should happen in the life of a believer. If you want to use your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Here's a great verse. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 8. Paul wrote, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. What's that saying? That's saying that God pays his, la his laborers. Nobody works for God for what he gets. That's not the case. You know, there, there have always been charlatans and, and fakes in so-called ministries supposed to be called of God. But any, any man of God who is sincere in the first place has lost sight of every, whatever reward he might get. But I like this verse because it says, 
knowing that whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. I don't know how God's going to do it. I, I don't know. God does a lot of things that I can't explain. But I want to tell you, if you do something for the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Lord is going to do something for you. That's what that Bible verse says. You know what else this verse says? It says that many Christians do not get anything from the Lord because they do not do anything for the Lord. They're not doing anything. Let me ask you, do you believe the Bible? What's the Bible say? The Bible says, knowing that whatsoever good thing a man doeth, the same. Do you believe the Lord? The same shall he receive of the Lord. Now, if you wait until it looks safe, until you think every detail is covered, you'll never, never enlarge your tent. You'll never enlarge your labor. You'll never lengthen your cords. Some people have been sitting on the, fate, on the fence waiting for God to do something, but you, you, you're, you're, you're afraid to enlarge. You're afraid to expand. I want to encourage you, people of Bible Baptist Church, to step out and enlarge your tent and strengthen your stakes as God directs you. God wants us to be enlargers. I think many of us are going to get to heaven and discover that God wanted to do so much more with our lives and through our labor, but we're afraid. We're afraid to enlarge, and we've missed, we would have missed great blessing and joy that comes by stepping out by faith. Then finally, I want you to think about this. Not only enlarge your, uh, your, um, your labor, but enlarge your love. In Isaiah chapter 54, the people were experiencing spir spiritual barrenness. The people were thirsty for God to do something in their lives. Are you thirsty for God to do something in Bible Baptist? Are you? These people were. They were tired of the same old answers and the same old dialogue. They were, they were people who were honestly seeking God to feed their souls. And so I say to you, and I say to myself, our love for Jesus Christ needs to be enlarged. You know, I'm troubled. I search my own heart, and sometimes I think, how much do I really love the Lord? How much, really, how much? How much in all of our frenzied activity do I really think of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, he's here with us today. You know, he's sitting here today. He's here, and he's here to bless. How many of you thought, when you came back to the service this afternoon, I'm in church this afternoon because I love Jesus? I'm going to teach that class. I'm going to usher in that aisle. I'm going to uh, offer my talents in the music program. I'm going to reach out to my neighbor. I'm going to reach out to others. I'm going to support my pastor because I love Jesus. You see, Jesus is interested in your love. Did you know that? In John chapter 21, he was interested in Simon Peter's love three times. He asked him, Peter, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? I wish God would search your heart and mind to, uh, this afternoon. Do you really love the Lord Jesus Christ? Enlarge your love. Enlarge your love for others.
Did you hear about the love letter lament? The love letter lament? Let me read it to you. It's from a girl who was lamenting the fact that she had broken off with her boyfriend. It says, Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the provincial lottery. <laughs> you know, you could, you could easily get discouraged in preaching about love for other people, and I'll tell you why. It's like the fellow one time who preached the same sermon four times, four weeks in a row on repentance. Four weeks in a row on repentance. And finally, one of the directors, one of the deacons came to him and said, Pastor, is that the only message you have? Why do you keep preaching the same message? He said, well, I figured I would keep preaching that message until somebody repented. (laughs) Well, the message on love is a message that needs to be repeated. You know, through the years, I've had people act like a beehive. The first time, you know, you said something that didn't please them, they, they wanted to kill you. What a pity. Where's the love? Where's the love? I want to remind you that you will always be in debt. Every one of us will always be in debt. You might pay off your mortgage. You might uh, have no more payments on your car. You might, you, you might uh, think that you're absolutely out of debt, but you will always be in debt. That's what Paul said. Paul said in Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, Owe no man anything. That's a good principle, isn't it? Owe no man anything but to love one another. Ah, you will always be in debt to others to love them. You, will, you might have your car paid off, you might have your house paid for, but you will always be in debt in the area of love. So enlarge your love. You know, if we, if we discovered that we had five minutes left to live, to say all that we wanted to say, every telephone and every cell phone would be busy saying what we wanted to say to others, and we'd stammer out to people how we love them. If we knew we only had five minutes to live. To live. No wonder the Lord Jesus Christ said to Peter, Simon, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? More than what? More than these fish that you've been catching? More than these other disciples? Do you love me more than they do? Your love for others. Enlarge your life. Enlarge your labor. Enlarge your love. Pastor Jonas.